0: Condition? got to the hospital when we landed late last night uh, went through a myriad of tests this morning confirmed will be reported yesterday um, the dislocated ankle and the fractured tibia and is uh, you know in the midst of discussing next steps um, which will include surgery uh, very soon That was Brad Stevens, what seems like so long ago now, back on Wednesday before the team's opening, uh, 100-800 loss, the home opener to Milwaukee, in what was, as we know, a tertiary storyline that night, and still this Sunday... It is episode number two three three of Celtics Speed, presented by Bombfell and Harry's Razors. Harry's will give you a free trial shave set for free when you sign up at Harrys.com/celtics. That deal is some semblance of good news to start this broadcast off. Larry H. Russell, we will bring CLNS Media's very own Evan Vellani here in a bit. We will talk basketball, right? One would expect that out of this broadcast. Pretty hard. It it might have become a a little bit easier after the Celts picked up a a very good win, I thought, down in Philadelphia Friday night. And more exciting young uh, play from, from the two young guys. Again, very exciting. That's the only adjective. But, dot, dot, dot. Yes, I am a little bit flustered here. First off, very impressed at Those who have, it is a testament for your love of basketball, your love of the Celtics. I confess as a Celts fan, as one who has a serious emotional attachment to this team, I'm showing a weakness. I still am recovering from Tuesday. I am fully aware that Anything north of 48 hours in the digital realm quantifies as ancient history in this sphere. Let alone now anything that happened almost a week ago. So there may already be a sense of please move on from a portion of from the audience. And and I credit those who do have that sentiment. I am very impressed with those who have. But all the way across the board. Not just the support the collective fan base has shown Gordon Hayward on a personal level. And it goes so far in not just the name of the Celtics fan base is one of the best in sports, which it is. But for him personally, words are very powerful during physical and emotional recovery. I cannot imagine what he must be going through with that physical and mental pain and anguish that he has now. And will have during this rehabilitation process. But the support of the fan base, wow. Also, how the fans themselves, many that I have seen, not all because I am not one and I know others as well, but many with how they have rebounded emotionally. Like I said, Friday's victory, the play of Tatum and Jalen Brown, the, the page is beginning to turn. Use that cliche, easier said than done, but legitimately easier said than done. Following sports, primarily, is emotional. There is an emotional attachment to teams, to schools, to hometown cities, to individual players. Someone is either a liar or a subhuman or both if they tell you that their interest in basketball, in sport, is through solely a judgment and observance on the artistic means of athletic competition. Interest in sport, from casual to the diehard degree, is born out of and evolves over time through what really is an irrational, emotional investment into an entity. Period. So when we as Celtics fans come into this season with one that was not just any in the 71-year history of the organization, it was the dawning of a new era, possibly We hoped that one day this was going to be the next great Celtics team. And at the bare minimum, this was the beginning of a journey. We all had endless amounts of excitement, intrigue, at worst anticipation. All one has to think back to was July 4th, the late afternoon slash evening of Gordon Hayward's decision to join this franchise. As he entered the prime of his career, already established as one of the better players in this league. There was euphoria universally across this fan base, which you rarely see when your favorite team makes such a significant financial investment. Those are always second-guessed. Not Hayward. That says a lot. So think of the consensus excitement level there was then and how it maintained throughout the whole summer. That gives the perspective. And with that perspective in mind, one of the things that amazes me is that one of the primary means to succeeding in sport both on the field of play and off the field, as it pertains to constructing a team, is to just simply detach emotionally. Both good and bad can't be too attached to one player for past accomplishments. Where have you heard that one before? Right. But mostly bad. Got to put that one behind us. We got to focus on the next game. Had the Mets at two outs, two strikes to win the World Series in four separate occasions. Just got to refocus, and we'll give our best effort in Game Seven. Julian Edelman goes down. Get the medical cart. Next man up, boys. Kendrick Perkins goes down game six in L.A. in 2010. Next man up, as we know, did not apply that night. Those Celtics were not in the present moment and forgot there was a game and paid for it. Fans themselves have to detach emotionally in certain scenarios if they are to show the appropriate support. So it amazes me that so much of this is driven by irrational emotion in all spectrums. Yet in many instances, it has to simply be turned off like a light switch. I can safely speak for everyone that there was more anticipation and excitement coming into this season than more than a decade. And for younger fans, this may have been a season they have anticipated more than any in their lives. So the higher the emotional level is, the bigger the bubble is, the more painful it is when it pops. And I had a lot of conversations with other Celtics fans as we tried to, to talk it over this week. Tried. I mean, it was literally coping time. In person, And on social media, I heard it, to paraphrase, never been affected this much by an injury, let alone with how grotesque it was, which we're definitely not going to be discussing here. But in the immediate aftermath of the injury, the shock and awe permeated throughout the basketball community, not just the Celtics teams and its fans, NBA players, media fans. No one could talk. No one could talk basketball. Everyone just gave their emotional reactions. No one could discuss its implications in the immediate, well, for the Boston, the, the key guy's going to be these offensive sets that they had for him. There was very little of that. We were all, and some of us still still are, at that time, we were all in a trance. The ramifications for the Celtics franchise right now, we're still at a point where many of us don't want to go there. I speak for myself, and I was led on to this when I was reading James Hollis's great, great feature piece on, on B-Ball Breakdown. That this ordeal, if we can call it that, literally this whole ordeal was like a Shakespearean tragedy to serve as yet another reminder that as humans, we are still slaves to circumstance. Through no fault of anyone, we can do all the right things and the forces of life you can't control. Life isn't fair and it's never going to be that way. And when we can cope with that, the anxieties fade because you forget about anxieties and the unfortunate occurrences when you then stay and appreciate the present moment, the eternal now that we live in. The Celtics are back, and that can somewhat, somewhat supersede the most horrifying of transpirings. On the court, there's 79 games left. On the court, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, particularly how both of them a second-year guy and a rookie in his first-ever NBA game, witnessed what they witnessed. They saw what we saw a lot closer than what we did. And then they responded with the game they did against the Eastern Conference champions and then both of them playing as they did throughout this entire week. Off the court, the fans. Worldwide. This is a worldwide community with a vast global fan base. Reports are that Celts ticks for the game in London in January sold out in 15 minutes on Friday this past week. To those that are, we should be very fortunate to be Celtics fans, that we can be a part of a very vibrant global fan base, even if the digital realm is your only means in participating in that. It is still impossible, as I have experienced, not to draw from the positivity of others who we share these common interests with and that they have about what the season can and will still bring. It all goes back to the mantra of not just staying, but appreciating the moment. So much of the future is predicated upon fortune to which none of us can or ever will control. So we'll make a good hard attempt at the eternal now. Today is Sunday, October 22nd, 2017. This is Celtics Beat on CLNS Media, and I am Larry H. Russell. Episode number 233 of Celtic Speed with Evan Valenti of CLNS Media is brought to you by Harry's. Harry's is all about a great shave at a fair price, which is why over 3 million guys have switched to Harry's. I am one of those 3 million. I've never had a smoother, more comfortable shave. Their blades are of the highest quality I've ever seen, and most importantly... I'm not getting fleeced by corporate America, and neither should you. Jeff and Annie, two ordinary guys who were fed up with buying overpriced razors, started Harry's to fix shaving. They bought their own German factory with over 100 years of blade-making experience to ensure the highest quality. All products are backed by a 100% quality guarantee. Harry's offers their blades at half the price of the leading five-blade razor selling directly to you over the internet. You have to give Harry's a try if you haven't already. If you haven't, it's completely risk-free. Claim your free trial offer from Harry's today. $13 value for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Your free trial set includes a weighted agronomic razor handle, five precision engineered blades with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, a travel blade cover. To get your free trial set, go to Harry's.com slash Celtics right now. That's Harry's.com slash Celtics. When I do consultation on all of our podcasts on CLNS Media, you, you know this, Evan, better than anyone. One of the first things I tell hosts and producers is, no BSing, don't try and loosen yourself and your guests up with intro and guests with, oh, how you doing, great weather today, and it's, uh, you know, oh, good to be here, thanks for having me on, so excited to talk, about." no bull crap. The listeners must be compelled within seven seconds, so like, dive right into content, not as quickly as possible, but freaking immediately. However, on this particular week, I actually think asking you, Evan, how you're doing I'm actually interested.
1: Well, I just want to like one of these days, you and I are going to do a podcast like a normal time. <laughs> like and, and like, I don't I don't mean to like break the fourth wall here for listeners, but like the first podcast you and I ever did, it was like six o'clock, like the morning of the trade deadline on a Sunday, and I was like, not even my girlfriend can get me out of bed at six o'clock on a Sunday, but yet Larry. Here I am just going kind a of sunday talking about the Celtics uh and and what direction they might head in with with Gordon Hayward and then of course Kyrie Irving comes later down the road but uh yeah I am I'm, I'm doing all right man I got a coffee in my hand it's a beautiful autumn day like I I'm all right I'm good to go Celtics are playing uh, whatever, however they play, we'll get into, I'm sure. But the Celtics' season has started, and I couldn't be more thrilled about it.
0: No, we're actually finally going to have to talk about basketball. As promised, we are so, so far deep into this show. Evan Valeni hosts the Celtics' roundtable on clnsmediayoutube.com slash CLNS Media. We'll get in into finally. We'll wrap it up on Hayward soon. So we'll stick with the Hayward theme. One, I actually sent a, a text to uh, one of the longtime season ticket holders. I'm not sure I'm allowed to shout his name on this show, but – I thought one of my biggest fears if we're going to talk now about basketball was how the Celtics will develop without Hayward. There's the whole point of this season was, you know, developing chemistry for years down the line, 19, 20, 21, and now that kind of goes up in smoke. It's going to be, I have a little bit of a fear, and I thought we saw this after the Bucs game. One of the reporters asked, oh, just, it was one of the greatest questions I've ever heard in my life. He asked Kyrie Irving, how come he shot the ball so much, and why didn't it go in, and Irving, what? you know, yeah, it was, it was a good. It's on, it's wow. on the Seal on his YouTube channel if you haven't checked it out. But Irving responded with, you know, got to get him up, man. And I mean, it kind of does give the. This isn't going to be a two thousand and one Allen Iverson type thing all over again because then, if and when Hayward does come back next year, that's sort of what I was getting at.
1: Uh, I look. Like, this team obviously took a major hit uh, five minutes and fifteen seconds into the season. And now I think what you can you can kinda you can kinda say that the Celtics are sort of back in training camp mode here. Like they have to learn how to play with a diff- different squad now. Um they run so much stuff. I mean, Brad talked about it after the injury, you know, they run a lot of actions and certain play sets for for Gordon Hayward. Now they're gonna have to figure out if somebody else can step up into that mold and and kind of take over that role. So far it's sort of been Jalen Brown um and a little bit of Jason Tatum mixed in there as well. I mean, an approved Terry Rozier doesn't hurt either, but um, you know, they're now they're going to count on instead of counting on a you know a guy that's been in the league for a while and, you know, is a, a bona fide all star and is a, a guy that uh, a lot of people enjoy watching. It's gone from a, a nice veteran player in Gordon Hayward to two young guys in Tatum and Brown who have very high ceilings, both of them, um, but are relatively inexperienced on in the basketball floor. So, you know. Brad, who has been an excellent, excellent addition to the the Boston Celtics since, you know, day one, essentially, is going to have to really, really dive into his bag of tricks here and and use his coaching ability to move these guys along. I thought, you know, despite the fact that they lost both the first two games, like there were good things about what Boston had done, you know, coming, you know, facing some adversity first two games, getting down in games, coming back. Yeah, you know, getting you know getting down against Cleveland, bringing that game all the way back, taking the lead late in the fourth quarter. I thought that was, you know, especially with some of the uh, the younger guys in there, like kind of leading that charge, Marcus Smart being one of them in game one. Um, that was important. Uh, the, the second game, yeah, I know it was an, an ugly game, Um, and Milwaukee's length has a lot to do with that. But again, you know, facing a team that has a lot of good parts on it, a team that's going to be there at the end when you're there, too. Um, uh, to face those two teams out of the gate to figure out, you know, okay, we get to pivot here, pivot here, pivot here. That's actually sort of a, a luxury if you want to even think about it in the most uh, optimistic uh, circumstances.
0: We've got to talk about Brown and Tatum. They're the highlights of the season, three games in, no question. Still want to stick on a little bit of a negative theme. Are there any fears of Kyrie Irving on certain nights? Because listen, it's been three games in, but Tatum and Brown. There are young guys. I'm actually a little more concerned, maybe possibly about Tatum down the line because he is a rookie. You're not used to playing. You know, say when March and April come along, they usually t- tend to hit a wall. But Kyrie Irving, I can see on a lot of nights kind of doing a little bit on Isaiah Thomas, doing a little bit of a 2001 Allen Iverson, and getting used to that. Is because I'm
1: not enough? really concerned about that because the way you know Boston was moving the ball in the preseason. I don't know preseason four games, whatever, but. It wasn't like the ball stuck in one place and and Kyrie was so heavy. I mean, you look back at that first game. It's not like the ball didn't stick. Kyrie had ten assists. Um, but your your point is valid. Like there's going to be some dog
0: con- days. You can get to the dog days, and they're not always going to happen.
1: Right. Yeah. And, and and look, aren't we okay with that though? Like, are, we just watched Isaiah do that for a whole season. And Isaiah was absolutely brilliant. Um, you know, whether Kyrie can match that or eclipse that is one thing. Um, but we're sort of already desensitized to that kind of basketball watching Isaiah Thomas the last two years. I'd, I'd argue that that Kyrie probably has more talent right now than Isaiah ever had in his couple of years with the Boston Celtics. So it might be actually a little bit easier for Kyrie uh, pending the developments of Tatum and Brown. Uh, but having uh, another year under Marcus Smart's belt, having a much improved Timmy Rozier, having Al Horford with him, um, I think it's going to make life a little bit easier. Even a guy like Aaron Baines and Marcus Morris, who we haven't seen yet, I think that's going to make his life a little bit easier than Isaiah ever had it. But, yeah, I, I'm I'm obviously ready for a lot of Kyrie Irving shooting. Um, I think everybody should be ready for that because in terms of consistent offense, he's probably going to be the only guy that gives you consistent offense. Like, Al's not a guy that shoots a lot, although against the 76ers he shot a ton, which is actually something I'd like to see. Um, you're not going to see a ton of shots all the time for Tatum and Brown and and Rosier and Smart, Kyrie's gonna be the guy that takes the, the load of the shots. And uh, and look, that's kind of what you go out and get him for too. It's not like you didn't go out and get him to be a, a scoring dynamo. You did. Uh, the idea was to go heavy into the offensive side of the ball this offseason by adding Hayward and Kyrie. I thought Boston by by looking at Golden State the past couple of years said like you know look and and other people have mentioned it. I'm not the first person to mention this, but look, we got to score 120 125 points to keep up with Golden State on any night. You know, whether they have a bad night or not, they're still gonna put up hundred and something. So we have to be able to match that scoring output. And I think they brought Kyrie in for that exact thing. It's like we need a guy that can score in the fourth quarter So the end of the games. We'll have two with
0: with Hayward and Kyrie. Now you only have one. Good job there, Evan. This episode of Celtic Speed is being brought to you by Bombfell. Bombfell is an easier way for men to get better clothes. You're matched one on one with a dedicated personal stylist. Bombfell never charges above retail price. They offer free shipping and returns, convenient home try on, and the ability to preview and edit your stylist picks before your order ships. As a loyal listener to Celtics Speed, you're entitled to twenty-five dollars off your first order for custom made clothes at bombfell.com slash Celtic Speed. B-O-M-B-F-E-L-L dot com slash Celtic Speed. You know you keep throwing Jalen Brown at me. I, I talked about how I thought the big thing for him is going to be he's got to make that corner three. It's going to open up the entire offense now, especially too with Hayward. I can't, we go back to that, but I, he is incredible at finishing at the rim. I mean, the leap that he made there over the offseason, I mean, that's that was a skill that we thought he had. Now he's... Far, I don't want to call him. He is. Ex- I didn't want to make any superlatives. Let's just simply say he is exceptional at it. I'm very fortunate that people have short memories on what I have said about Jalen Brown some 15 months ago. But wow, my goodness, did I whiff on him?
1: The thing about Jalen is he's so by far and away the most athletic guy on the team. Like not to not to discount anything that Terry Rozier does because Rozier, for a guy his size, is super athletic. Um, but for Brown, I mean, look at last season. Towards the end of the season, he was shooting 40 percent from those corner three spots. But the one really fun thing about Jalen Brown's game, the first couple of games we've seen, is his just relentless attack on the rim. Now, does he finish all the time? No. Does his ha- is his handle tight enough to to get there at will? Yeah, but he was not
0: terrible at it last year, and he kept. He was, yourself, he was. It- remember how often he would get fouled at the rim and he would just never convert, and now it's just. So- I mean, he has made a leap there. Well, you've seen, you know,
1: it, it's happen It's part of the, the the what happens when a guy gets stronger. I mean, he's. He's still needs to get stronger. This guy. I mean, that's the crazy thing about Jalen. He's 20 years old. He looks like a man child, and yet he's he's still going to get stronger uh, uh, on both the offensive and defensive end. I think it's going to help him a lot, especially defensively. But you, know, you can just this, a lot of the people, and we've had guys on our our podcast, Celtics Roundtable, and and, and you know, Vidcast Cole's, Evan. Yeah, well, Vidcast. We've had we've had Cole's Wicker on. Um, a couple of times, and uh, who does a great job covering both college and NBA stuff. And uh, we've talked about Jalen Brown with a couple of people, and had, and, and Jalen Brown's sort of like a, a a polarizing player. Some people, like myself, see a guy uh, a very very raw player, sort of a blank canvas, but already has a lot of tools. Some people look at him and say, "Well, he can't do this, and he can't do that, and he can't do this." And I'm and I'm saying, "Well." You know, can he learn that stuff though? Can he can he tighten up his dribble a little bit? And when he you know, and so when he go and drive to the basket, he can he can finish through contact by getting a little stronger. And now you're starting to see some of those people do a kind of a 180 kind of pivot a little bit. I
0: have done that 180. That was the one I was going to steal from me <laughs> He's he's he look he's he's still raw. He's still
1: not a great player yet. He still doesn't even really know how to play basketball yet. He still does not understand that like I, I still think and I said this after the first game Jalen Browns gonna average like 12 points a game just based off his pure athleticism alone like he's just too fast for guys. you can just see it with his first step he gets by guys so quickly it's not like they're it's like they're not even there and then when then you have the great picture I, I forget who had it um, in the opening night uh, against the Cavaliers where Jalen comes in for the slam and LeBron moves out of the way to avoid being a poster like this is the kind of stuff. That gets you excited about Jalen Brown, the athleticism, the speed, the length, uh, the determination, his character. Like I, I, I look at all that stuff, and I see a guy who is going to improve you know, game in, game out, week in, week out, season in, season out. So I, I, I'm thrilled with this version of Jalen Brown so far, averaging 17 points a game in three games. But the way he's done it has been the most surprising thing
0: to me. Well, I think the most encouraging aspect of Brown, outside of these raw skills I've mentioned, outside of what we've seen, is the improvement that he made this season at the end of last year. There's always that's what you always look for in a young player. When I, when I was growing up, Antoine Walker was you know the the prodigy Celtics and Celtic, and every year he got worse, or every year whatever skills that he did have just stayed the same. Where like I said, they they got worse. Improvement on a young player shows the dedication off the court, and there's just going to be just a continual gradual incline for him. I think the last the last thing is going to be that corner three, because that opens up the whole game for the Celtics offensively and for him. And I'm I'm not I mean just finishing around the basket that we've talked about. He said, "Oh well, you know he could be better at it." It's just. I can't just get over how much better he is at it than last year. I remember there was a game against Portland last year. He had a very good game. He got to the free throw line a ton. But there were so many times where he would get fouled. It's like, dude, you just, you gotta finish that. That's a very, it's an anecdotal reference and a game reference that just sort of summed up his whole season. But last year was horrendous in December. Horrendous. Found a way to crack into the rotation by the playoffs. Now he's a legitimate starter. I don't want to throw any predictions on him yet, but I don't know. I guess we can write it. It's a podcast. I would – do you see – I'm going to say I actually see him maybe one, like, goofy year sneaking on the back end of an all-star roster maybe like four years down the line. I'm not saying he's, he's not going to be an all-star stalwart, but he has uh, sort of I, that – I'm
1: higher on t- – than Brown than you
0: are. I think um, – well, I was trying okay. to be high there. Good. I, I, I like – look, I, I
1: like a lot of what he does already, and and I – Again, this comes back to character because I think Jalen. Um, like this, a lot of this stuff matters to me. A lot of this little stuff. Like uh, here's an example. Like Marcus Smart and 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 James Young come out of the draft. One of the big things that separated those two guys, besides draft slot, was one guy was clearly mature, and the other guy couldn't put a sentence together. And not to take any away from James Young at that time, he was very young. Um, but there was something lacking there. Uh, and, and, and I just, I, for some reason, I was like, I don't know if I guy's going to stick it or not. While, while Meanwhile, Marcus Smart, a guy that could, that was, he knew the history of the team, he knew how to put a sentence together, he was well-spoken, that stuff kind of matters. And you look at Jalen Brown, well-spoken individual, smart kid, um, is guided by, you know, a bunch of well, it seems like NBA legends and vets like it, Isaiah Thomas and him apparently are, are are buddies. The real one, the real one. Yeah. I, I, oh, I had yeah. him
0: on the show to talk specifically about Jalen. It kind of reminds me I got to get the real one back here.
1: Right, right, right. And, and it's like it's like he's surrounded himself with with he doesn't have an agent. He's he's just very, very bright individual. Um, And you can see his work ethic. Like I remember asking him at the draft. Um. A couple of when he got drafted, I said, uh, Jalen, you know, Jimmy Butler came out in in Bill Simmons' podcast and said he liked the way you worked, liked the way you, you, uh, uh, you train and liked, and liked, liked your game so far. What does it mean to get one of the, a compliment from the best two way player or one of the best two way players in the league? And he was like, well, that means a ton because I kind of look up to Jimmy and his work ethic and, you know, it's something I try to emulate and we, you know, we, we, you know, train together, blah, 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 blah. And I was just really impressed with a guy that has already at, you know, 19 years old gone and seek the, you know, the, uh, some of the advice of some of some current NBA players and, and guys that, again, Isaiah Thomas is a legend. So uh, I always thought he'd put it together. I think at All-Star, I mean, yeah, it's a high ceiling, sure, but I, I think you're looking at a guy that could be, you know, probably at his best, the second best guy
0: on a championship team, and that's a really cool. valuable player. Yeah, that, that's pretty high. I guess we can finish there because that's a nice, sexy little take that you had. And the big sort of sexy take after the draft was that Jason Tatum, well, he could be the next Paul Pierce. And you know the, the the whole thing. I don't want to say the whole thing. One mm-hmm. of the things was Pierce. I'd be like, eh, you know, Pierce used to get to the line so much. Tatum nine for nine from the free throw line on Friday night. I would well, literally literally the least team in free th-
1: throw attempts takes about six game, which is is which is awesome. For, for the rookie. last like
0: ten years, the Celtics have been the worst team at getting at the free throw line, or one of the worst, or something like yeah. that. Feels like it. They don't have I a look- guy. Ever since the young Pierce, they had never had a guy who could do it.
1: And look at – well, look at the la- last year's numbers. The only guy that got to the line last year was Isaiah Thomas. Nobody else brutal. could get to the free no, throw line. That was their problem. At it.
0: It's been – and it's been that way forever, but
1: yeah. <laughs> and that, well, now they have several guys that can do it. I mean I, Kyrie's going to draw a lot of fouls, and uh, it looks like Tatum's going to be there too. And Jalen Brown, if he can if you attack the rim, he's going to drop a lot of fouls too. But Rozier, the, okay. the one thing about Tatum – I mean you could, we could start anywhere. But the one thing about Tatum that uh, really impresses me is the defensive side of the ball. I mean, and, and Brad talked about it I, really early on, either the, in the regular season or or even the preseason, that Jalen defensively was further along than anybody thought he would be. Not uh, uh, Jalen, Jason. And I got to tell you, that's the stuff that gets me, I think, more excited than anything else. Like the fact that, like, you know, uh, the, the, the game against the Sixers on Friday night, he, you know, had a couple of blocks in that game, including one on Markel Fultz that I'm sure everybody in Southern Nation loved. Um, the fact that he can switch out on the smaller guards and hang with them and, and bother guys with his length, still has his speed and quickness to get uh, stay with those guys. Um, as he gets stronger, he's going to bang with bigger guys as he plays more four uh, in the modern day NBA. As he gets stronger, um, but man, out of the gate, he's as, as polished as you could expect. Like it's not going to be like Lonzo Ball, where Lonzo goes, and I don't mean to, to drag Lonzo Ball into this thing, um, only because he had he took. You know well, he had 29 points last night, the other night and had 27 shots or whatever. He's not going to take 27 shots in the game. It's never ever ever going to happen. The benefits uh, of
0: developing on a good team,
1: right? So uh, you're never going to get that kind of night from him, but you're going to get steady improvements along the way. And uh, to just watch him be this NBA ready right now um, makes me
0: think Danny had it right all along. Don't forget, we're giving away tickets to the Celtics game against the Sacramento Kings on November 1st. Entry is as easy as can be. Simply enter by subscribing to Celtics Beat on iTunes and writing Celtics Beat a rating and a review. Subscribe, rate, and write a review for Celtics Beat on iTunes to enter into a free drawing to win a pair of tickets to see the Celtics take on the Sacramento Kings on November 1st. I thought, and this is I thought that really jumped out, was the Bucks game. Biggest concern going into the year, right? Lack of cohesion. And that's just not because, you know, they, these guys hate each other or anything. It's brand-new team. Four guys from, from last year's team that are back together, and, and three of them were guys who weren't even in the top five in minutes played. Only Al Horford was that guy. I think uh, Smart was five, excuse me. Okay, so. But either way, you get my you sort of get my drift there. And the box game that right. really jumped out was that it's like, uh, I think Alan Ayers, i got to really shout him because I already had earlier in the show. I mean, he's like the thought leader on Facebook for Celtics Nation, you know. He says it's not a learning curve. It is like a ninety degree angle, right? And, and that, was, <laughs> yeah. that was the big thing with the Bucks game.
1: Yeah, I I agree with that. And 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 look, it's going to be a bumpy road for a while. Like I I, I thought going into the season there'd be actually they'd be a little crisper than I than people expected right from the jump. And then the Hayward injury happens, and that whole theory goes out the window. Um, but what's what's funny is like that even in that Bucks game, you can still look at look at things and say like, well. You know, these guys haven't played too much together, in, especially in these lineups, and yet they're hanging with a team in, in Milwaukee that's going to be one of the top-tier teams in the Eastern Conference. Like, it's hard to shut down Giannis, but um, I thought they did a good job um, on the other guys. Uh, you know, Monroe always kills the Celtics, and I I, don't, I still don't understand it. Um, he's been killing my favorite teams.
0: I know, they just don't have the personnel. With him. He, he's got a he, back-to-basket game.
1: He's been killing my favorite teams ever since he was in Georgetown. George, yeah. when I was at Syracuse. Yeah. It just he used to be the ultimate zone buster. George, uh, Greg Monroe used to kill me. Um, you know, I, I look this this team is not going to be. You know, they're going to have a lot of bumps and bruises from here on out. And it's not like they're not going to play a lot of good teams. The problem with the Celtics is they play a lot of good teams early on here, including Milwaukee twice. They still have a game against the Spurs coming up. Um, they still Oklahoma have a game State. against Oklahoma City coming up. Right, a, bu- a bunch of a bunch of tough games were right out of the jump that um, they're going to be really, really hard for them. But, again, this is valuable playing time for the young guys. And we, to bring it back to Tatum, like, you know, what what better way to come into the NBA than to go from playing LeBron James one night to playing Gian, uh, Giannis the next night to, you know, having a young matchup in the, the night after that, then coming back and playing a Knicks team, then playing, you know, again, a Spurs team down the road. Like, baptism by fire. And I think that's a fantastic way for a guy like Jason Tatum, who's been talked about as a guy that learns very quickly. I think you had – um Jeff Goodman ESPN on who who lauded that one of those uh, uh, one of that part of that of Tatum's game when they when they were originally thinking about Tatum at that spot this is a guy that can can learn quick Um, I think Bobby Manning had a great article on Celtics blog about how you know the guys at Duke the staff at Duke would show him something and he would pick it up like almost immediately you didn't have to tell him too many times to do something he was adept and very good at whatever they wanted him to do translating that to the floor almost immediately so that's Again, if you want to take a silver lining out of the the Hayward injury, Tatum might be the brightest one.
0: Believe it or not, there's an abstract silver lining that you can take out of the Hayward injury. I thought you sort of alluded to it without having the intent. Is that maybe this goes back to sort of the chemistry that this team needed to develop with Hayward anyways. Maybe it could serve as some sort of galvanizing catalyst. I hate to even suggest that. But nonetheless, I think that there is that, that possibility there. I didn't want to really have a way to do the wrap it up, but I'll I'll wrap it up sort of on this note. Two two changes. What were your changes? Well, how about this? Give me your starting five now the rest of the year, or roughly in prediction. I think it's I think it's the way you kinda So you get well, smart in there basically?
1: Oh yeah. yeah so uh, I mean I don't I don't know if I want to have smart in there. I I Neither I, do I they're they're too small, I think, with smart. I mean the the the, the easy way to do this is the four Kyrie, Jalen, Jason and and um in Al Horford and that other spot, I mean, depending on what Morris looks like when he comes back, we all know Baines can play, but the problem with Baines is he wha- racks up fouls too early, um, which is fine. That's, which is fine. It, he's
0: starting the game. He's not finished. Yeah,
1: right. And I, and he I like was awesome
0: against Philadelphia Friday. We never talked about him, but you know, he throws he throws so. his
1: weight around. I love I love the fact that he's not afraid to throw his body around. That's why and, and, Greg
0: Monroe didn't play as well as he normally did against Celtics. They actually finally had a body from Monroe, but yeah.
1: I enjoyed that. I really did. So we'll see what happens when Morris comes back. I think the, the – the, for me, the starting lineup has never really matters that much. It's always the crunch time five, and I think the Celtics have a very obvious crunch time five with Kyrie, uh, Marcus, Jason – Jalen and Horford. I think that's going to be your, your five that you're going to roll with at the end of games. And, you know, pending, you know, maybe Terry Rozier having a hot shooting night or maybe Marcus Morris gives them more rebounding or whatever. But the, I think the switchability defensively is what they value most. Um, I think the fact that they have three guys, you know, pending what we see with Tatum um, that can switch like two through four. And and not worry about you know matchup problems like because we know Marcus can body fours and if what seems so far is you know Tatum can hang with twos if that's going to be the case then that's going to be their crunch time lineup because that gives them the most versatility on the defensive side of the floor and offensively you know they they can space the floor pretty well with that kind of lineup if Marcus Smart's three point shot is real and the more guys you have on the floor at the end of the game that can space the floor and do things with the basketball you know put it on the deck and move it. Um, that's going to be for the best. I mean, Golden State's best lineup is their most skilled lineup, not in terms of size, just in terms of basketball IQ and things they can do one-on-one, off-ball, on-ball, all that stuff. So I think, you know, with having uh, a guy like Marcus who can initiate the offense or Kyrie or Al Horford gives them the most versatility, um, again, who, who starts doesn't matter to me. It's who finishes, and that's probably the easiest way to figure out the best unit for the Celtics is who finishes games.
0: Concretely, how did your outlook of the season change pre and post Hayward injury? So basically oh, win man. predictions where they finish pre injury and then post.
1: I thought Boston I mean you can call me a homer all you want, I don't really care. Um, I it. thought I thought Boston would have the best record in the Eastern Conference and I didn't think it was even really a debate. It was I don't think I don't think that Cleveland team's gonna really wanna play LeBron all eighty two games. So I, I, I thought, you know, Boston with their ability to get out of the gate really well and I thought they would they would they would come out really easily like come out hot they'd play really well um then they would start you know by December really humming and then they would add some things um I, I thought point Gordon Hayward was the thing they'd add after the all-star break and start ticking around with that that would have been fun and then and then in the playoffs they're kind of ready to rock and roll um I thought they would win you know 55 ish games I, 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 I just thought they were this is the most skilled team they've had. Um, since the the, the the Paul Pierce KG Ray Allen um, years, I thought I thought just the versatility, switchability, the, the different guys that can create for themselves. I just thought it was a really really well put together <laughs> basketball team. This is a depressing
0: joke. It is. That's oh I, no, my God! I mean, we we're, were doing I, a really I, like, good it job was so like depressing. they deliberately are and changing like the whole tone of this podcast. How it started, you know, slowly transitioning with you in there, and then all of a sudden we had to go there.
1: <laughs> I think I think they're a four seed now because um, it's just it's tough. It's tough. Uh, and, and it's not like the Eastern Conference is really great, so it's not like it's going to take a lot to be the fourth seed. But I thought they were clearly, you know, a, a regular season team that was capable of winning a lot of games. Um, now it's 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 much different. Um, I mean, who knows? Like we, you know, the, who who knows what's exactly going to happen this season with the way some of these young guys develop? I mean, you never know. Um, but I, I I think they're like, you know, mid to the lower 40s now, um, just because they're gonna, it's gonna be such a steep learning curve. Like you said, a 9 degree angle, it's gonna be a sharp cliff here. Um, but you know, they still have a lot of talent, and that's the one thing that I think. And they, they still have Brad Stevens as their head coach, who I think is one of the top five head coaches in the league. So
0: yeah, and I've I've yet to like really dive into the actual repercussions for the franchise for this injury because you still can think of worst case scenario as it sort of pertains with Gordon Hayward and that type of injury I'm not gonna lie I'm just not ready to do it and I'm not even gonna let you do it as well so I'm signing you out right here uh well actually sort of um you're hosting this show next week so oh you, yeah you throw it yeah there you go tell me what, I'm what you're giving me it. good uh, pretty pumped up about it. I'm not
1: going to reveal who we're going to have on the show because that's that's just obviously that's not a good idea. But we we can tease a little bit. Yeah, it'll be fun next week. Um, super excited about it. Hopefully, a lot of good storylines come out of it. Uh, this guy everybody knows. Uh, a a uh, a prominent voice in Celtics. Uh, uh, right now, no question about it has been for a very long time. We've had him on Celtics Roundtable. Um, back in the summer. Uh, and he uh, a lot a couple predictions he he gave us in the summer actually came true. So I'm going to give him some time to shine um, because his is uh, a couple of his predictions were really good, especially when he said, uh, don't it's, it's Danny, Danny's a dangerous guy picking, you know, in the teens. Now you're giving Danny control of the chessboard at number one. I wouldn't be totally convinced he's going to stay there. And, and obviously as things unfolded, that's exactly how it went. So I'm going to give this guy a couple of chances to brag about how smart he was. Um, for a little bit and then we'll get dive into of course what he's seen so far uh, with this iteration of the Boston Celtics but again next that's, that's going to be next uh, Sunday should be a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, I actually have to spend this week diving into the realm of politics particularly locally so I actually uh, working with Good the luck Emerson, with that. I'm actually working with the Emerson College polling uh, polling society and their podcasts, of course available on the CLNS Media Network mobile app. I have a little bit a little bit to do with that. <laughs> but it, you know, it's published in the Boston Herald tomorrow, and in said poll, not just, you know, who you're going to vote for for mayor, favorite team in Boston. We got that in there. And reaction to the Hayward injury. We got that in there to somehow tie it into who's going to win. the Favorite we, team yeah, in Boston is probably to be the
1: Patriots. It's got to be the Patriots. I, well, I mean,
0: it's got to be. The, the results actually aren't, aren't in yet. Uh, so tune into the Emerson College Polling Weekly Podcast on iTunes, available on us Media. But Evan Valenti, host of Celtics Roundtable. Follow him on Twitter at his namesake, at Evan Valenti. Evan is hosting Celtics Beat next week. Appreciate you being here, Evan, and appreciate, appreciate everybody else. Thank you so much. sincerely appreciate it. Uh, and everybody else, thank you. This was episode number 233, which was presented by Harry's Razors and Bombfell.com. Go to Bombfell.com slash Celtics Beat for $25 off your first order for custom made clothes. That's dot com slash Celtics Beat. Music was provided by Chuck Dietz and Steph Legrato. For graphic designer Scott Dillon, CLNS CEO Nick Gelso. this is Larry H. Russell, the executive producer and host, signing off for Celtics Beat, the number one Celtics podcast on the web, powered by CLNS Media.